You look to your Bibles and turn to Hosea 8, Hosea the 8th chapter, starting the first verse. Set the trumpet to thy mouth, he shall come as an eagle against the house of, of the Lord, because they have transgressed my covenant and trespassed against my law. Israel shall cry unto me, my God, we know thee. Israel has cast off the thing that is good. The enemy shall pursue him. They have set up kings, but not by me. They have made princes, and I knew it not. Of their silver and their gold have they made them idols, that they may be cut off. And the calf of Samaria, O Samaria, has cast thee off. My anger is kindled against thee. How long will it be ere they attain, attain to innocency? For from Israel was it also the workmen made it. Therefore it is not of, not God. But the calves of Samaria shall be broken in pieces, for they have sown the wind, and they shall reap the whirlwind. It is it hath not stalk, no stalk, and the bud shall yield no meal. If so be it yield, the stranger shall swallow it up. Israel is swallowed up. Now shall they be among the Gentiles as a vessel wherein is no pleasure, for they have gone unto the Syrians and while ass alone by himself, Ephraim hath hired lovers. Yea, though they have hired among the nations, now will I gather them, and they shall sorrow a little for the burden of the king of the princess, because Ephraim has made many altars to sin. Altars shall be, be unto him to sin. I have written to him the great things by, of my law, but they were counted as a strange thing. Spread it up, please. Our most gracious Heavenly Father, we do thank Thee for all Thy blessings You give us in Christ Jesus and Your everlasting mercies. We pray You bless the service of the message tonight and all things be done in decent order and to Thy honor and glory, that You'd have sway in each heart according to each need. And we just thank Thee, O Lord, that You have given us Your Word. And by Thy Spirit, You give us understanding and wisdom. We just thank thee and praise thee in Jesus' name for his sake. Amen. God is eternal. Our idols just but a flash, and they're just here and gone tomorrow. There's only two real worships in the world, the devil and God. And there are the mixtures where they try to worship both. And we see a lot in what is called Christianity, where they have their idols, and at the same time they say they're worshiping the Lord Jesus Christ. And in our in Genesis, we're not dealing with that today, but 31, it, <clears throat> the Rachel, you know, stole the idol and, and took it with her. She thought it was of value, I don't think monetarily, but I think she believed it had some kind of power. And um, one of the things we think about the, <clears throat> about the gods that man makes, they're just... Here today and gone tomorrow, they get bit, some get bit burned up or melted or uh, destroyed, hid, uh, thrown away. I mean, there's all kinds of ways you can lose your God if that's what your God is. God is eternal. He's beginning and end. And, and besides him, there is no other, no God. And nothing exists before him and nothing can exist without him. Uh, Satan and man's idols are but a flash in the pan and subject to God's uh, in all things. And so uh, 
just like Israel here, God is warning them that these idols would be their, to their detriment and they would be tore and destroyed. And of course, this is a northern kingdom, and they went into captivity first because of their sins. And so God, so God called Hosea to sound the sound. And a warning of destruction when it says he spoke to them, sent them a letter, and, and that they would, uh, if you will, repent is the ideal there. But they, of course, didn't have any respect at all toward God's letters. So we have all the prophets like Amos and Hosea and different ones went to the northern kingdom. Uh, and some they tried to kill and others they run off and so they paid no heed uh, to the to Almighty God, and so Hosea was there to get them uh, to turn. And and you know, at the first, the Northern Kingdom had made a league with Assyria, but the Assyrians is the one that come down and took them out of the land, and and just really like it says of Jerusalem, like a man would wipe a plate. But that's exactly what Assyria did in the Northern Kingdom. And God call, uh, call will come as an eagle, as swift, majestic, and powerful because they had transgressed against Almighty God. And in the Old Testament, a lot of times after, uh, after the uh, books of Moses, it refers to the northern kingdom as Ephraim. And uh, so a lot of times it says Ephraim, and, and, uh, and sometimes we think, well, I'm just talking about that one tribe. It's really talking about all of them and it had the prominence and so it was called Israel, Ephraim and some other names and they transgressed against God's covenant. God sent them many warnings and they committed spiritual adultery and the Lord is long-suffering and yet there is a time when that long-suffering is replaced with justice and uh, when we think about that we see in our own lives that God will warn us and warn us and warn us, and then chastisement comes. And, and if we don't repent, as when God starts warning us, then we're going to be in trouble. And I, I don't know if we're as hard-headed as Israel, but sometimes I think Christians get pretty hard-headed. Uh, it would call, Israel would call on God in a pretense and go through the motion. There's a lot of Christians that do the same thing. They go through the motion, they'll name their gods Jesus and Simon Peter and, and Holy Spirit or just on and on and on it goes. And, and uh, they think then they're Christians worshiping God. When in reality, they're worshiping uh, devils and demons and, uh, and because they're worshiping idols. God, uh, they, <coughs> excuse me, God, but their pretense would be too little too late and and uh, there's one thing about trying to deceive God. You can deceive man if you're good enough. You know, some, some people have a kind of look through things. But you can't deceive God. You can't say, well, really, Lord, you're my God. He knows your heart. And so there's no way we can hide from God. And this is the ideal they had. They placated God by going through some worship services, which <clears throat> worshiped uh, Jehovah, but... In the end, their true worship was, of course, Baal worship or the devil. And the works of their hands could not save them. And as we really think about the gods and, and, uh, that they made of their own hands, then uh, 
like I said before, you know, you God's here. Somebody steals it. They stole your God, and and your your house is no longer protected. Your car is no longer protected, and with all the silliness people do, and they go down and have a priest, you know, sprinkle a little water on the car or <coughs> on their tractors or on the go out and bless the land before they plow it, and and they uh, gone through it, and they ask an Almighty God to bless it, and in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost, and as they do all these things, it's just idolatry, even though they provoke and use the name of Almighty God. One thing about God, He's everywhere. There's no place God is not, so there's no place you can get away from God. There's no place that you can be out from under the protection of God. I don't care where you go, God is with you, and if you're a child of God, He promised never leave you, forsake you, so it doesn't make any difference where you go, and in some places we would rather, you know, as some have taught, you know, you can check God at the door. You can't check God at the door. Uh, he's with you forever, and so there's no getting away from it if you're a child of God. Israel cast off the good and kept the wicked and the bad, and they thought they was keeping the good. And people don't deliberately choose the worst. They choose what they think is the better. And their thoughts was that the gods of the land of, of the Ephraim and the tribes, the northern tribes, were better than Almighty God. And, and man likes to see things. I mean, he just likes to see things, handle things. And, and, uh, and some people are talking about going to church and and uh, there, I know a, a particular church put in some uh, windows, you know, the figurines on them and all that. And they just said, I heard one of the members say, well, there's just so much, you can worship so much better, you know, the light shining down. And I thought to myself, there's just something wrong with that because <clears throat> we're not to make up or put up things materially uh, to worship as if we worship God. So they cast off God. And Luke eighteen nineteen, and Jesus said unto them, unto him, Why callest thou me good? There is none good save one, that is God. God hates all flatteries. <clears throat> when people try to, when you try to flatter God, you're wasting your time. He knows that you're trying to flatter, flatter him. And, and God's not like man. <clears throat> Most of us like to be flattered. We don't like to people say, Well, <clears throat> you need to trim your hair or something. We rather for them say, "Well, you look really great today," and so we like that better than if somebody tells the truth. But God will tell you the truth, and and you can't flatter God and make him and as if he's buttering up somebody trying to get some them to do something for us uh, or for you. They uh, when we call upon God, it's based upon His goodwill and pleasure and. And your faithfulness and where you're calling upon him in faith, not whether you can use long words and say how wonderful he is. And, and so we ask you need to do this thing, whatever it might be. They were saying great swelling words without knowledge or, uh, or by pretense, and which is not acceptable to God. God only, only worship God receives the spirit and truth. That's it. When it tells us that when we come together and true worshipers of God, worship God in spirit and truth, that's the only way you can worship God. And, and, uh, and somebody said, well, is our spirit or his spirit? And, and we worship from the inner man. The flesh does not accept God at all. 
He doesn't get the statics. Well, look how they're waving their hands and all this, that, and the other. A merry heart, though, is a different thing. God uh, likes for his people to have a merry heart and joyful, and especially in their worship of him. But and there's time for the contriteness. And uh, Proverbs 23, 23, by the truth, sell it not. Uh, also wisdom, instruction, and understanding. And of course, Israel forsook the wisdom. They forsook understanding. They forsook God. Even when God came and said, uh, this is what you're doing wrong, he sent a prophet there and, and say, this is what you need to do. You need to turn from this thing. And so they'd either try to kill the prophet, get rid of him, because that wasn't according to what they thought it ought to be. Uh, they weren't according to their wisdom, their understanding, and so uh, they wanted to get rid of them, and, and they uh, added sin. Verse 2, they added sin unto sin. They called by God in hypocrisy, which is a sin. And uh, sometimes we, uh, people say, well, I, I said to God, if you'll do this, then I'll do that, and they go through all this. And yes, God in our in our uh, innocency or in our naive, when we're naive or babes in Christ, there's a lot of things God will do for us that later on he won't do. <clears throat> and and uh, so there's some things when we grow up in Christ, we, uh, <clears throat> we uh, say, well, I've done this, this, and this. But the next time you do it, it don't work. Because God is not like a superstitious thing we're worshiping. He is a living person. And so as we grow uh, in faith, will, some knowledge, then he requires us to, if you will, worship him in spirit and truth and, and put away childish or foolish things. And they despise God, but in time of need, they would call upon him. We see this throughout the Old Testament. When the Assyrians at the gate, who they call for? They call unto God, but it's too late because God's the one who sent the Assyrians there to begin with. And Israel set up leaders without the counsel of God. They made them kings and counselors and prophets and priests and all these things without the counsel of God. And remember, Jeroboam, he made the least of the priests. I mean, uh, people that would buy their position, so, well, I'd like to be a priest. And, and he said, well, that's $100 if you want to be a priest, you know. And, and then they could, the money they took from all the people would be their pay. And they'd give Jeroboam a cut of it. And so that was their worship. And so they, and they just made the, the scum of the earth priest, is what the scriptures is really saying in the time of Jeroboam. Well, they didn't change that. They kept that going all the way through to their end. Their kings came not by the word of God, but by their own minds, their own understanding. It is true that God sets up one, puts down another, but... And they didn't deliberately uh, put up or choose somebody according to the word of God. In 1 Samuel 8, 7, and 8, it says, And the Lord said unto Samuel, Hearken unto the voice of the people, and all that they say unto thee, for they have not rejected thee, but they have rejected me, that I should not reign over them according to all the works which they have done since the day that I brought them, out, up out of Egypt, even unto this day, wherewith they have forsaken me and served other gods, so do they also, also unto thee. Now, now Samuel thought that they was rejecting him, and he was 
getting upset about it, and God said, they hadn't rejected you. They rejected me. Why was they rejecting Samuel? Because he's speaking God's word. And, and usually the messenger is the one that people try to get rid of and, and, and because they don't like the message. And that's exactly what it was in their time. After Israel split and followed Jeroboam, 1 Kings 14, 16, and he shall give Israel up because of the sins of Jeroboam who did <coughs> sin and who made Israel the sin. The phrase Jeroboam who did sin and who made Israel to sin is mentioned seven times, and the Jeroboam's sin is mentioned 24 times as, bar, as part of God's condemnation of the northern kingdom. And you'll see scattered throughout the scriptures where he speaks of Jeroboam and how he caused Israel to sin. And so for their very foundation, their first king, he led them into sin and idolatry. He's the one who put the golden calf in Bethel and and Dan, and, and so that they uh, had their golden calves that they worshipped, and that's uh, part of what was spoken up earlier in our passage. And so they chose according to their own choosing, their own pleasure, and they did not look to God for their help, but they looked to man. In Isaiah 31b, they took not unto the, looked not unto the Holy One of Israel, neither seek the Lord. And so they really didn't care what God thought. They, if you have a God of your own making, then you can make up your own laws. <laughs> you can make up your own worship. You can make up your own ideals and commandments and, and practices and all this other stuff. It's a God of your own making. And that's exactly what they did. And that's what exactly men do today. Some, as I mentioned, will add Christianity to it to give it some legitimacy in places all over the world, but nonetheless, they're not really worshiping Jesus Christ. They're making, they're worshiping the God of their own making. After casting off the covenant, how long did they pretend to be innocent? And, and every time they get in trouble, they pretend that they were still followers of God and, and they'd have their idols right there. I mean, it wasn't like, you know, we've hidden our idols under the bed or something. They would have their idols there, reminders, and Today, we're coming at a time and a period that people have a lot of reminders around. And they have manger scenes and all this, that, and the other. And, and I had a, a lady to say, she had put a manger seat there in the entrance of the church and uh, on the table there where they had tracks and things. She, and uh, so I, I, said, what? I said, what are you doing? And she said, she said, well, I just get such a warm feeling when I look at that. And I said, uh, Sister, I said, you know what one of the things you say about idols is that they give you a good and warm feeling. Make you feel better. Make you feel safer. I mean, I heard my neighbors talk about this all the time. How they, they felt like their house was protected. Nothing could happen to it because they had them in every room, you know, protectors. And, and the point I'm making is, is that they are deceived and they think or some do, that they're worshiping God, and when all along they're not worshiping God, they're worshiping, or they're, really it's devil worship, or the things uh, that Satan has put forth. <clears throat> and so they pretend to be innocent, usually those that repent in crisis, that repentance doesn't last long. You know, it's just like people say, well, now if you, if you won't, uh, if you let me go this time, I'll never do it again. 
I mean, it's the same thing, you know, and then five days later they're doing the same thing. And, and some do the same thing before God. In a crisis they repent, but then after a while they repent of that repentance and turn back to their own ways. <clears throat> Sayings of some pretenders, pray and cross your fingers. <clears throat> and you may have never heard of these, but I heard these most of my youth growing up. If the Lord blesses and I have good luck, I will, I will do this or that, Lord willing, and the creek don't rise. So everything that God wills, does, or anything is dependent on something else when in reality what God's will is is going to be done. It doesn't make any difference if the creek rises or not. We had a man at the church where I was brought up and every Sunday morning he says, well, I'll... I preached, are we going to be here tonight? And he said, yes, if the Lord wills and the creek don't rise, he never did come. I thought maybe they was having a flood in his area. Nobody else was having it. But nonetheless, that people don't even think about what they're saying. They, the shame is that many think that nature, luck, or circumstances are equal to or supersedes the Lord's will. In other words, you just make your own luck, as some people say. And not knowing that all these things are controlled by him and accomplishes his goodwill and pleasure in all things. Everything's working out to what God has planned and it will happen exactly the way that he says it will happen. Think about made gods of silver and gold and gods uh, of the covetous as did Belshazzar in Daniel 5.4. They drank wine and praised the god of gold and silver and brass of iron and and of wood and made of stone. Man makes gods out of things that he thinks important. <clears throat> he makes, uh, he, he looks to strength. Most of our gods will be strong. Most of our gods are important. Most of our gods will either give you wealth or help you with your wealth because covetousness is a basic instinct of the human being. The power, beauty, fertility, fate, luck, we just go on and on and on the things that people make gods to because that which they think is important. They have crop gods, the sun gods, and all these other things that will protect them, give them rain in season, and, and keep the frost away until they get the harvest in, and all these things that people worship, the things that they think is important. And let me say to you, God is control of all of those things. They knew God's commandments from Exodus 20, and we'll not read those, knowing the commandments, the, the prophets God sent, as we mentioned, and nevertheless, they claim to be innocent of any wrongdoing. And, and we could go to many today that are worshiping devils along with worshiping God, and they would tell you, and they would probably be sincere that they're only worshiping God. And yet, they're disobeying God with their idols there. And some people say, well, preacher, it depends what's in their brain. No, it doesn't depend what's in their brain. It depends on what they're doing in God's sight. Yeah. I mean, I could say this thing's going to protect the church building. I know God will work through this to protect the church building. God doesn't receive stuff like that. I mean, it's just foolishness. And, and people uh, do this, and they, they really think that they're worshiping and honoring God. How many? How could God's made by hand be all-knowing, all-powerful, and simultaneously be everywhere? 
Because if you take this God out and hide it, it's gone. I mean, you, you know, you got one and somebody steals it and you take it, melt it down for the gold in it and steal it from you, it's gone. It's no longer there. It's no longer knowing. It's no longer powerful. It's no longer in any place. <clears throat> Often they did not claim any of these powers for their gods. Usually gods of man's making is what? Supermen and superwomen. Yeah. They're people. And they've been elevated to the, to the place of being a god. Or the gods reached down and made them one god. Or all the different, <clears throat> different things that they teach. But <clears throat> often they did not claim any the powers, as I mentioned. And they super people, special supernatural gifts, and usually always have a Hercules heel. They have kryptonite or something that, uh, <clears throat> that if you use that, they're just powerless. Now, let me say to you, you can't use anything against God and make him powerless. The whole ideal of this is, is that God is limited. And the gods of man's making are always limited in some way or the other. But God himself is not limited. You cannot pigeonhole him. You cannot say this is how God does. He always does this way. And some of those things we speak of righteousness, of course, but God doesn't use the same method every time. If we went around and everybody wrote down how God saved them, it'd be different. Be different circumstances. And, and some of us may have been a personal witness or a revival meeting or or whatever it may have been, but we'd be uh, different than God doesn't do necessarily the same thing every time. And they tied their gods to time and space. Time and space. God is not subject to time and space. Time and space, uh, space continuum, is a creation of God. He is eternal. He's above his creation. He's not tied to time like we are. And it's hard for us to conceive of anything that's not tied to time. I mean, it, I mean everything we know is, is dying, is decreasing. I mean, even the sun's getting cooler, you know. It's going to take a few billion years because we know it's not going to last that long because God's going to stroke well before then. But the point I'm making, this creation is fallen. And, and God is not. He stays the same. He's the same yesterday and day and forever. How could man-made gods compare to the Lord God in any way? And, of course, the answer is they cannot. They cannot bring judgment, and yet they have war gods, have peace gods, and if your war god is bigger than my war god, then I guess I'll win. And it's, well, God so-and-so, you know, gave us the victory here, and their puny god over there, we just stomped it in the ground. And that's what they do. They destroy them. Or they take them up and be their gods too. <clears throat> God is like, not like man, angels, any, <clears throat> anything else, for he is God. God is creator of all things. All wisdom and understanding <clears throat> comes from God. In Job 39, 13, Gavest thou the <clears throat> godly wings unto peacocks, or wings and feather unto the ostrich, which leaveth her eggs in the earth and warmeth them in the dust and forgetteth that the foot may crush them or that the wild beast may break them. She is hardened against her young ones as though 
They were not hers. Her labor is vain without fear. And because God has deprived her of wisdom, neither hath he imparted to her understanding what time she lifted up herself on high and scorneth the horse and the rider. So the ostrich doesn't have the wisdom that other animals have. And the reason she don't have that wisdom is because God didn't give it to her. And the same with you and I. The only reason we have any wisdom at all is because God given it, has given it to us. The reason that some others don't have wisdom is because God didn't give it to them. I mean, it, 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 God's in control of all these things. In Luke 7, 35, it says, But wisdom is justified of her children. And Jesus speaking of that and the evidence that we are wise in the way we worship God, the way we serve God, and the way we conduct ourselves, if you will, in every situation. God is all wise and nothing to be compared. In Isaiah, Isaiah 40, 18, starting there. To whom then will you liken God? Or what likeness will you compare unto him? The workman milteth a, a graven image, and, and the goldsmith spreaded it over, the, over with gold and cast his silver chains. And he that is so impoverished that he has no oblation chooses a tree that will not rot. He seeketh unto him a cunning workman to prepare the graven image that shall not be moved. And have you not known? Have you not heard? Has it not been told you from the beginning? Have you not understood from the foundations of the earth? It is he that saith on the circle of the earth, and the inhabitants thereof are as grasshoppers, and stretches out the heavens as a curtain, and spreadeth them out as a tent to dwell in, that bringeth the princes to nothing. He maketh the judges of the earth vanity. Yea, they shall not be planted. Yea, they shall not be sown. Yea, their stock shall not take root in the earth, and it shall also bow unto them, and they shall wither, and the whirlwind shall, ta- shall take them away with stubble. To whom then will you liken me, or shall I be equal, <coughs> saith the Holy One? And so we have in this passage where it says, what are you going to compare to God? And God mentions all these things. And in verse 6 it says, Lift up your eyes on high, and behold who hath created all things, that bringeth out their host by number. He calleth them by all by names, by the greatness of his might, for that he is stronger in power, not one fellow. Who can number the stars? Not only are all the stars numbered, we mentioned not too long ago, all the stars are named, and God knows the name of each one. There is nothing that is outside of God's knowledge. Israel sowed the wind and would reap the whirlwind, Hosea 7, I mean 8, 7. And they thought their money and materials and, and their gods and their temples and all these things would bring them good fortune, bring them good luck, bring them peace, and bring them, if you will, safety. And that they, if they went to war, they'd win because they had these gods that they, uh, if you will, that they paid off. 
they did the tribute to them and so on and so forth. And so then these gods would work for them and do good things for them. They sought protection from their enemies. They sought prosperity, health, and welfare for themselves and their families. They thought taking other nations' god, adding them to their gods of their own making would serve them well. But it destroyed them. They sowed the wind, but God sent a whirlwind. And we could think about the Assyrians, because that's the whirlwind it's talking about here, uh, and that came as they sowed the wind, then God sent them a whirlwind. And we could talk about the Babylonians in the southern kingdom. You talk about Antichrist at the end of time. This, all of these are based on they sowed the wind, and God gave them a whirlwind. And judgment follows, if you will, when people especially his people, turn from him. And God will, if you will, judges his people harder than he judges the wicked. Judgment starts at the household of God. He tells us in Simon Peter's epistle. And, and when judgment comes to the land, he starts at his own. After he's judged his own, then he will judge the nation. That they're in. Man labors much more for his self-made gods than he does for the Lord of hosts. Uh, Habakkuk 2.13 Behold, it is not of the Lord of hosts that the people shall labor in the very fire and the people shall weary themselves for very vanity. So people will work, I mean, idolaters will work harder usually than Christians. And somebody says, well, I wish we was more like those Mormons or JWs or whatever. And, and that's just, uh, that just tells you. Here are these people cut to a certain age and they go out two by two and doing missionary work and all this, and we have a hard time raising that number in most churches to go out. And yet they do this, and they, they think they're serving God, and they work harder, they weary themselves more for their idols and their false gods and their false doctrine than most Christians worship God at all. And we have the privilege that God's given us. There's a natural consequence for choosing man-made God, and and uh, it is that true is <clears throat> rather than the true and living God, and therefore everything it stands for is a lie. Everything's deception. There's no protection even from demons behind them. There's no protection uh, that these demons themselves. There is no power in these idols. There is no There is a supernatural consequence to worship them and making them your God. Some people have lucky coins and all kinds of different things. We hear about sports stars, you know, have certain shirts they got to wear, and, and they think that thing's got power in it. I mean, I, I went out there and I, I scored 100 points in this shirt. I, I'm not going to wash it or anything. I'm just going to put this shirt back on again and, because that thing has got power in it. And this is the way they think, and it's... Let me say to you, that's just idolatry. <clears throat> we see this in, even sometimes with people, where they treat their Bible. I'm not going to get into this too much, but some treat their Bible as an idol rather than as the Word of God. <clears throat> and yes, we're to be, we're to be uh, uh, respectful with the Word of God, let me put it that way, but when it becomes an idol and you have to sort of set it a certain place and you have to have this, that, and the other, then it is really an idol to you rather than the Word of God. And <clears throat> not, no, not one would eat of their labors. The whirlwind would destroy them all. 
if something did come up, as it mentioned in our latter verses, then the enemy would come in and eat their wheat and take their cattle uh, from them. Where are they? Where are their gods? They're broken dust to dust and dust to dust, dust and ashes to ashes. Where are their gods of this? Where are the gods of this world? They shall all be broken. Moses <coughs> ground the first golden calf into powder and made Israel drink of their sins as he threw it in the river. Can you say, my Lord, my Savior, Jesus Christ, I know thee, I love thee, and serving thee, I am cleaving to thee. The God on the mountain is my God in the valley, for I have no other God but thee. We are not to step in idolatry in any way, shape, or form. And let me say to you, it's easy. Uh, I put in here the steps to idolatry. First, small baby steps. Then a little bit bigger steps, and before you know it, you're carried away in all their sin. So, well, we just, just, you know, we just celebrate a little bit, preacher. Don't, don't bother me. I, I don't know how many Christians, and I count them as Christians. I don't have any reason to doubt them. And yet, you know, well, we're, we only do this, preacher. That's all we do. We just do this part. It's like, well, on all the sin we do, preachers, this right here. And really, it's not that bad. You know, we like uh, some would say, they could say ten Hail Marys and make fat, you know, take care of it. <clears throat> but what saints do, Baptists do, they just pray that God watch over them, and sometimes they ask God to bless it. I don't know how that works. The point I'm making is, is that we can all be carried away in idolatry if we don't keep ourselves from the very start. 